right, welcome into the Stick to Hockey podcast. Joe Torty, Jason Matitas, back with you for another fun-filled episode, episode number 11. This is our Once Every Century podcast, so right. thank you very much at Bully118, Big Bad Bully. Look, it's... <laughs> all right. Look, <laughs> we're trying to be more consistent. It's hard. There's a lot going on in, in our lives, and uh, we're going to do this a little bit more often. And With uh, the Flyers back at home now, we'll be able to get some more interviews with uh, players being local and coaches. And, uh, you know, the four-game West Coast trip kind of put a little crimp in it. But nonetheless, uh, on this podcast today, on episode 11, we're going to talk to uh, Flyers TV analyst, former Flyer player, former Colorado Rocky. Was he? No, he was an Avalanche. Uh, yeah. Also a Washington, a Washington Capital. Capital. Drafted him. Yeah. Who else did he play for? Um, uh, a local team. Oh, the Flyers he played for. Uh, yes. And he's, of course, from the NHL and NBC. Keith Jones is going to join us. Ah, yes. Always good to talk to Keith. Yeah. So we'll talk around the NHL with Jonesy and uh, talk some Flyers issues as well. A um, couple maintenance issues, show. Um, follow us on Twitter if you're not. Uh-huh. It is uh, at Stick to Hockey Pod at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T, and at Joe Tordy, T-O-R-D-Y. And also, um, you can hit us on email. We're going to try and get more correspondence going. And check out the message board on wildfire.com backslash sports. Sports. Uh, you can hit on that. We're going to start to drop some stuff on there. Uh, we are looking for writers. I got a bunch of stuff from people, and things got a little crazy. I have your emails if you sent me one uh, to at or stick to hockey biz at gmail.com. Um, we are going to start to t- contact some of the people and get some writing samples and stuff going on the website as well. And we're working with a couple of the guys, John, over at uh, Wildfire. Um, we're going to have a meeting next week and really get this kind of thing of the writing content along with the podcast and everything else kind of going more and more episodes coming at more frequency. Is that, is that the right way to say it? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Our goal has always been to do two of these a week. Yeah. We're going to get there at We've some point. We've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there at some point, but we're not there yet. Yeah, exactly. So, uh-huh. so yeah, still a lot, we got a lot of consistency to get to, but, you know, all of our schedules, our, Joe, your and I's schedules not really meshing. And uh, we brought in Pat Egan last week. He's going to be a part of uh, some episodes coming up when, when things kind of work out logistically. You may do an episode with just you and Pat, or I may do one by myself, or you do one, whatever it might be. We're going to have different interviews and we just want to get the content out to everybody more often i mean after last week and, and pat's bold determinations that the the rangers might have the deepest defense in the nhl number one <laughs> not well, even let, close jay let me tell you something real quick pat when we launched this thing pat was silently to you but not so silently to me grumbling against you is that right because he's like what the hell do you know about hockey that i don't know jason's trying to start this thing why would he bring you on <laughs> instead of me and now I'm thinking, because of those moron predictions that you made, how about Cody Glass leading the, the Vegas Golden Knights in points? See, the ironic thing about that, he makes that prediction, and literally two hours later, we get a, t- a text from Pat, and it says, um, that was a bad prediction. Cody Glass just optioned back to junior. <laughs> so he's not even going to be in the NHL this year. Oh, it's so good. But, but you know, Vegas has uh, been a great storyline. We'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to do that. Also, coming up um, next week, I believe Tuesday, we are going to tape an episode, and this is an episode a lot of people are going to need to hear coming up next week, because Charlie O'Connor, formerly of Broad Street Hockey, now The Athletic, is going to come in, and we're going to tape, and he is going to give everybody the crash course in analytics, hockey analytics, Corsi, the whole kit and caboodle, so you know how to read the analytics, interpret the analytics, 
and then you can determine for yourself how much value you put into the analytics. Well, that, I think there is some value there. That's the cool part, right? Because all of the advanced stats and knowing what they are, you can determine what counts for you. Like in baseball, right? ERA doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Don't, the only thing I look at is is whip, walks yeah. and hits per innings. That's the only thing that counts to me for a pitcher. So everything else I can throw out. Hockey, it's the same thing. You can look at DVOA yep. or whatever it is that floats yep. your boat and figure it out. So if you don't know analytics and it's intimidating for you, Charlie's going to be an awesome guy to talk to. Yeah, and we may, we'll find maybe a, a couple of players that defy analytics as well. You know, a guy that's a really good player that his analytics, you know, don't speak to why he's so successful on the ice. So we'll look right. at those things too. And, and perhaps you look at a few players differently uh, throughout the, when, when you look at those kind of things. Also, uh, so we'll do that next week. And also we're going to have a, a five-game homestand for the Flyers. We're going to see who's around and who I can talk to, take the recorder down and get a bunch of stuff as well. So we're going to do all that. Uh, so again, check us out on Twitter at Stick to Hockey Pod. Uh, also, stick to hockey biz at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And we'll also do a bunch of um, listener questions. We'll do that again next week as well. So a lot to get to coming up in the next couple of days. As for today, Joe, let's go around the league real quick because it's been a wild first week and change. Yes. Um, let's kind of go around division to division and kind of look at some of the storylines. Uh, let's start out really, I guess, maybe in the in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. You know, this is uh, an interesting division in a lot of ways because this was a division where I said, well, there's a team that's been in the playoffs out there for a very long time. One of my bold predictions was that San Jose would not make the postseason. And as you look at the standings right now, they're a little upside down. Vegas at the top at 3-0. and You look at a team like San Jose, who's almost in the cellar. Edmonton down in the division. Anaheim right in the middle. Calgary doing nice here to get get off to a good start, and they have Yarmir Yager. Uh, but, you know, when you look at this division and you look at what Vegas has been able to do, I know they're not going to sustain it, and they're probably not going to be a playoff team. They may battle for a playoff spot in late February and then kind of fall out maybe because they're going to trade players, I think, at the deadline to get more assets. But what they've done over the first week of Marc-Andre Fleury and James Neal has been awesome. It's been unbelievable. He was the first star of the week, Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury was, for his 2-0, and I think it was a .98 goals against average. Uh, they've been awesome. The Sharks, like you said, a little bit of a slow start, 1-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, after three games, you've got to be feeling good about your prediction there. Uh, I feel pretty good about my, my Vegas prediction, finishing in the top two-thirds of the league, too. So I, okay. I feel pretty good about that so far. Um we haven't seen Yarmir Yager yet with the Flames. It'll or one game. His previous game was the last one that he played um, as or the first one he played as a Flame. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that fit happens because I yeah. wasn't sure about it. And um, they look pretty good with you know Johnny Gaudreau the other night yeah. was just a, a sick setup last the other night in the game and they, and they've been good. They're going to be a team that that, that uh, battle of Alberta is going to be a fun one. Oh yeah, there's no between doubt. them and the Oilers, and they obviously dropped it off the opening night and. You know, Connor McDavid, this this guy named Connor McDavid, number ninety seven, Patrick first night. <laughs> but uh, it's been, it's been an interesting division. L A. off to a pretty decent start. Yep. So all due respect to the Canucks, uh, all the other uh, Canadian teams are in decent shape. I mean, there, there's another team that's struggling a little bit. We're going to get to them in a little bit. But by and large, the state of hockey in Canada is as strong as it is, or it has been in the last five yeah. or six years. And you remember a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, that no Canadian team made the postseason for yes. the first time in a long time. So uh, that wasn't the case last year, obviously, but uh, uh, that won't be the case again this year. All right, let's stay in the uh, in the Western Conference. Let's go to the Central Division. and it, To me, the biggest story, there's two storylines here. One is opening night in Chicago. Where they yeah. hung the 10 spot. <laughs> they got the, the touchdown and the field goal. Yeah, I, I don't think that Sidney Crosby lost in tiddlywinks by nine <laughs> goals ever in his life, let alone an NHL game. It was an astounding, and I don't know where the back-to-back Pittsburgh was, 
because uh, they played Wednesday and then they played the following Thursday. But um, Chicago's a team looking to get off to a good start and uh, avenge that first-round departure where they got swept by the Predators last year. And they look like, uh, you know, Captain Canada looks like he's got his game back. Well, and Brandon Saad has been a really, really yep. nice addition. He's got seven goals. I'll bet everybody here could say, oh, Ovechkin's already got eight goals. I'll bet you didn't know that Saad's already got seven. He's right behind That's him. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he gets back in that uh, that Blackhawk sweater, and look at it, he's just putting up points. See that? See, this is one of the most intriguing divisions to me because, you know, Dallas is a team I thought was going to bounce back. They're off to a slow start. Minnesota got off to a tear of a start last year. They're off to a slow start. Uh, conversely, St. Louis... Is uh is filling it up and getting the job done. Jake Allen, they got Braden Shen there now. Vladimir Tarasenko could be end up uh, scoring the most goals in the National Hockey League this season. That's a legit team too. Yeah, they were always when I worked at the NHL. The Blues were my Western Conference team. I just like the way they're put together. They're yep. always a heavy team, very physical. They're starting to pick up some of the skill as well. That's why I actually thought that Braden Shen was a perfect fit. He's kind of got that blend of physical and skill there, so, and he's off to a career hot start as well. Yeah, so. yeah, and look at Colorado and the Matthew Shane situation, which has hung over them uh, for well over a year now, still in an avalanche uniform, was clearly very uncomfortable through their media day and training camps and all the questions. And uh, He's gotten off to a great start as well, and they're surprising a lot of teams. They were horrifically bad last year. Yeah. That Colorado, that was the worst a team has performed in the salary cap era in the NHL ever, and uh, they're off to a good start. Will they sustain? Probably not. But it was like a whole season of watching the Penguins play when they were down nine goals to, to yeah. Chicago. Like yeah. It was like a whole season of that for, for Colorado. It was nah, unreal. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, let's go. Let's head over to the Eastern Conference. Let's go to the Atlantic Division. Um, to me, I look at the standings here in, in the Atlantic Division and, and what we've seen over the first uh, week and change. I, I don't see a lot of shockers here. Um, not from my perspective. Montreal's a team that's off to a slow start, and you know they've lost three straight. And Carey Price is not the reason why they're losing, but this is a team that's going to, I think, is going to struggle a lot this year. Yeah, you can't pay goalies that much. We talked about it before. Yeah. You just can't. Th- and, and you know, as both former or slash current men's league netminders, yeah. we're all for the guys between, between the pipes getting paid and everything. But it's not a winning strategy for putting together a team. And I, I don't know. What it's going to turn into for Montreal, but I know they're really struggling now, and he's not the reason why. But the team is really in a bad way. Yeah. Speaking the of the coach, rest- isn't going to go. They just hired Claude Julian last right, year. Right now, no. The general manager is the man who's going to be in trouble. Mark Bergevin. Uh, That's going to be the guy in trouble in Montreal. You're probably right about that. Now the Lightning at three and one. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov is filthy. Like he has absolutely yeah. taken the step up to where he needs to be included in that top tier of guys. Top five, top six at this yeah, point. He is unreal right now. For and Tampa. is Stamkos still healthy? <laughs> <laughs> he, he just scored one against uh, Pittsburgh. The other yes, day. he did. And they got the 3-2 win over Pittsburgh. Um, in this division also, uh, Detroit's off to a good start. They're going to falter, in my opinion. I just don't yeah. see them being good enough. And, you know, they've gotten decent goaltending from uh, Jimmy Howard, not so much from Mrazek. Uh, Toronto, can score. Yeah. The Toronto Maple Leafs can score. Yeah, they can. Can they keep it out of their net? <sighs> Do you see this? I, I read a report that said that Austin Matthews uh, might be getting a contract that'll surpass Connor McDavid's contract. Well, I don't think he's as dynamic of a player as McDavid, but he's as important to his team. No doubt. And um, <sighs> that's so much money. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I mean. if he doesn't get as much or a little more, he's going to get right in that ballpark. Yeah, right? yeah. And Jack right Eichel that. got paid a little bit more than I thought he should have based on what he's done so far. Um, but when you're drafting the top two and then generational drafts, you get paid. 
You yeah. get paid. Yeah, that's you the know? truth, man. No it's doubt unreal. about it. Uh, Boston and you know not many other great storylines here. Ottawa off to a slow start, but uh, the Metropolitan Division, which which I'll probably at this point, and we did I think in our our bold prediction show, was deemed this the the best division in hockey and the most competitive. And the most ironic thing in the world is that the team that ended up with the number one pick in the New Jersey Devils and got Nico Heischer is at the top of the division right now, three and zero, scoring goals no less. <laughs> yeah. the, the, what the New Jersey Devils? They were doing it in preseason, and I'm scratching my head, going, "Okay, did somebody tell the Devils it's just preseason to save some?" But uh, they're getting it done right now, and, and they are a team that I'm surprised. At, at the time of taping, they have yet to experience the sting of defeat, and there's not many teams in the uh, NHL that have that uh, that distinction at the moment. So all the credit in the world to them. Speaking of credit. I've got to give you some credit. We'll take right all the now. time you need. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do that uh, because you don't always give me credit. Like before this podcast launched, when yep. I predicted that it would be a straight up Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson trade months before it happened, yeah. and then radio silence after that. So thank you very much for not giving me that credit. Uh, I think I might be anti Niemi now. I might be like totally anti Niemi. You be, might be anti anti Niemi. Okay. <laughs> you don't know, like the wordplay? Yeah, he stinks. That is so bad in yeah. the backups. It's time for uh, for Tristan Jari, I think. I, there, there's no more uh, there's no more anti Niemi. I, yeah. I think I am anti Niemi. You this see point. that drop off there when you had Marc Andre Fleury as the backup <sighs> to Matt Murray. Uh, that pays a huge dividend. And look, Pittsburgh has, didn't have a great start. They lost the first two games. And obviously we talked about the Chicago game. I yeah. mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, the game just bad. got on top of them. Uh, but also in this division, Columbus off to a relatively good start. But really the story here to me is Alexander Ovechkin. I mean, good eight morning. goal. I mean, seriously. Three <laughs> opening night for the second game. One power play goal. That's yeah. it. One yeah. out of eight. I mean, that's normally his thing. And he, and he actually scored a goal again in that Penguin game that they ended up losing to the Penguins 3-2. to two. Yes. And did you see where he was? I couldn't <laughs> believe it. He was down by the blue paint. What? No top of the circle? Yeah. What's going on here? He's getting into the dirty areas. So we'll see. You know, it's a long season. You thought maybe Washington would come in. You know, if not really motivated too much. You know, flat. Yeah, feeling like, geez, what do we got to do? But, hey, look, they got a good coach in Barry Trotz. He's on the last year of his deal. And we'll see if they can make a run at it once again. They look, uh, they look legit, legit for sure. Uh, the Rangers off to a slow start. They, their defense looks bad. Really yeah, bad. you're right. You're so. absolutely we, – we had the thought that if they weren't going to be the deepest, they were certainly going to be a competitive defensive core. That hasn't been the case. The other team in New York, the Islanders, has been – I got to say this. They're going to go through some struggles here if Everly misses any kind of time. Yeah. I mean, I just saw that today. They had practice collision. So, I mean, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble if they continue to do what they're doing, scuffling along. This Tavares thing just doesn't smell right. Yeah, you just said, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It does not. And it's a distraction. And so much is predicated on John Tavares. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, the Flyers, uh, the local team, uh, four games in, four game road trip, three games in California. They come out of California two and one. They get goose egged by uh, Jonathan Quick and the Kings. Uh, didn't play poorly in that game. Uh, the Flyers look like a clearly much faster hockey team. Oh yeah, than they were, and much more skilled and smart. No doubt about it. But yeah. they're also young, so I think that they yeah. showed you see you, some of that. Yeah, they showed you what they're going to be. You're going to see this team win two games in a row, three games in a row, and then drop a couple in a row. They're they're probably going to end up right around the 500 mark, maybe a little bit better than that. Yeah, but just because hockey of, 500, uh, yeah, yeah, hockey 500. All of the uh, all of the youth that they have there, I think, is ultimately going to be both a positive and a negative. Yeah. No, you saw the uh, the review in the Predator game. Um, Dave Haxtell calls for the video review of offsides on a goal that made it 5-4 to four while Nashville was on a 5-on-3 man advantage. Right. 
The my opinion on this is you don't challenge that because the risk is worth is too great. You go okay, it's five to four. They tie the game at five. It's a go ahead goal. I get it. But what I do is I got to take the point because I don't care if Nashville gets a point because they're in the other conference. That doesn't matter. So I take the point. I go. I'll kill off the rest of the five on four. I'll move forward. I'll get to overtime. I'll try and get the second point there. To go back on the five on three after they tied the game was too much risk involved for me. Well, and I wouldn't have done it. It's interesting with this penalty added to the challenge, you're going to see coaching decisions to challenge viewed more as blunders now. And whereas before yeah. it was like, ah, it was worth it, right? You, you know, if I you just lost the timeout. Yeah, exactly. I was going to take it at that point anyway because my team needed it. So at this point, we're going to really get to see and evaluate coaches in a new way that we haven't gotten to do in the league. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, actually. it's going to put video coaches on a big-time pressure cooker. Yes, sir. You know, because, I mean, a lot of that comes from the video coach saying, I, I, I see the evidence. We it's got good. It. Yeah. But the NHL office or the war room doesn't always see it that way. Although, all, all said and told, though, the Flyers showed some good things on that road trip, even in that Nashville game, to, to battle back, down 3 nothing, to battle all the way back to get a 5-3 lead. Now it got squandered away, and what they got to do is they can't lose. You don't lose two straight. You don't no. lose in the home opener, which is uh, against the Washington Capitals. So, uh, nonetheless, you know, Flyers, a decent trip to start off the season. And what is a very difficult opening trip of the season to take on California and then the Western Conference champion Nashville Predators. So That is a good team, by the way. They're, they're doing it with they paper fly. mache defense, by the way, Nashville yep. right now. So yeah, they're, they're banged up. They're a dangerous team. They're going to be when they get healthy. And, by the way, Pecorino did not look good in that game. Who? I'm just saying. <laughs> Who didn't? Because one of my bold predictions in our last episode was about Pecorine, and <sighs> you were not in agreement with uh, what I said. Yeah, but we're Pecorine's four games old. in. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll I know. see. He's looking old, though. And he ain't going <laughs> to get any younger if his fifth, sixth, and tenth game in. I can tell you that. <sighs> All right. Uh, All so, right. Yeah, yeah. Lay it on. Yeah. So uh, let's get to uh, Keith Jones right now. Yeah. You can do that? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's bring in Jones. He's from the, he works, uh, of course, as the Flyers color analyst. Uh, he's been in Philadelphia for a long time doing that. He's also from the NHL on NBC. It's Keith Jones joining us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jonesy, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jay. Everything going good with you guys? It's going good, man. It's early in the season. It's going good for some other teams uh, more than some others. Some of the teams that it's going well for are actually teams we didn't expect a lot out of, and conversely, some teams we thought would uh, get off to a good start haven't. Can you explain to me real quick uh, the Avalanche start and the New Jersey Devils start to this season? Well, both teams got faster, and a lot of that has to do with some of the players that they've drafted recently. Uh, I think that as well question helped out uh, both teams in the early going. The expectations being as low as they were, there's not a lot of pressure on those teams. And they're taking some chances with some players that may otherwise not have been given the opportunities, but based upon where they finished last season and the holes that were obvious to their lineup, they're getting those chances and taking advantage of them. I think John Hines is a very good uh, very good coach in New Jersey. I think that plays into it as well. And for the first time, Jared Bednar had a full training camp and an off-season to kind of prepare for what it was going to be like to coach in the National Hockey League. I think that experience probably has helped him behind the bench in Colorado also. Hey, Jonesy, we came in and we all knew the Matt Duchesne situation was one that's been lingering for a while. Uh, you look at it right now, he's got two goals, three assists, and five points in his first uh, four games of this season. Uh, he's upping his value. Uh, but will Joe Sackick uh, have come down on his uh, on his ask for a player like Matt Duchesne? Uh, to me, it's very similar to the Jonathan Drouin situation in Tampa, going back to a couple of years ago, and then eventually Steve Eiserman 
after Juan came back, kind of put his tail between his legs, accepted that he was going to stay a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning and was not going to be moved until Eiserman felt like he was getting fair value. I think it's similar with Duchesne. I'm sure that uh, Joe Sackick, who is very similar to Steve Eisenman in the way that they played in their careers, both superstar captains that played for only one franchise, I think they both guys have a great feel for you know, the value of the player that they're trying to move. And I think Eisenman did well in getting Sergachev, and I think that Joe Sackick will do well when he eventually moves Matt Duchesne. Give Duchesne credit for playing with a good attitude, much like Drew Ann did. And I think there's a lot of comparables that I'm sure that Joe Sackett's keeping in mind before he moves them. Keith, taking a look at uh, the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin in particular, it's kind of been a return of the king situation for Alex Ovechkin. The whispers about him maybe slowing down, losing a step, explodes for eight goals in the first four games that he's played. What's been the key for his kind of resurrection? I think it's less congested at the forward position in Washington. I think Ovechkin's at his best when he is the key guy. I I don't think he's as effective when he's trying to be the team guy and be the guy that's sharing ice time with some fourth-line players that probably shouldn't play as much as Ovechkin does. Uh, I think he came in in better shape. I think he kind of took the message that head coach Barry Trotz and the general manager Brian McClellan sent to him uh, after the disappointing loss last season that they wanted more. Apparently he dropped some weight and did a lot more in the conditioning department, which he's going to have to do as he continues to age a little bit and is into close to being into his mid-30s now. I think all those things combined have really given Ovechkin the opportunity to get off to a good start. And it's great. It's great for hockey. Anytime Ovechkin's playing like he's capable of, I think we all enjoy watching him go. Uh, Jonesy, in this day and age, expansion uh, when a team comes into the league isn't what it was 25, 30, 35 years ago. Vegas comes in this year, and we all know the the setup and, and, and how the expansion draft was handled and how George McPhee started to build this team. Uh, but when you look at Vegas, just a 3-0, to get off to this kind of start, to create a little buzz in that town, a non-traditional hockey market, it's a pretty damn good story. Uh, they're going to be a tougher team to play against than maybe people thought. They will be because most of the pieces that George McPhee acquired are character players. And so you've got a lot of, you know, talented third and fourth line type players that obviously have proven in the past that they're capable NHL performers, not necessarily in primetime roles. Uh, But I think George McPhee was looking for guys that brought the intangibles to the lineup, difficult guys to play against. Uh, guys with uh, good motors that keep on going when they're out on the ice, like Eric Halla, Dallas Eakins. Those type of players, I think, are important to allow the Vegas Golden Knights to get their feet under the ground and kind of establish themselves as, as, a, as a difficult opponent. Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to hurt you at net, and he has a flair for the dramatic which is great. He's an extremely athletic goaltender. And James Neal, much of the same in the goal-scoring department. So there is some valuable pieces there. There's also a good foundation of character players that I think is going to keep them in a lot of games. Keith, taking a look at Connor McDavid as well, scored a uh, hat trick in the opener and nothing since then in terms of goals. It's time to trade him, right? Blow up the whole thing. Major slump for him. Yeah, we'll we'll take him. There's no doubt about that. That's uh, that's an incredible talent there. I mean, it's uh, it was fun to watch him on opening night. Uh, there's no surprises. I mean, he's going to be as guarded as any player in the league, and 
Edmonton's going to be doing their part to try to protect him physically. I know he had a bit of a collision in practice the other day that everybody was up in arms, and I think Clefbaum got a piece of him too, as Edmonton was doing some difficult and challenging drills based upon the two losses that they had in a row. Uh, but McDavid's the man. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be the best player in the game. I still give the nod to Crosby right now just based upon how successful he was last year in the playoffs and showed that he still got it. I think McDavid would agree with that, but there's no flashier player to watch in the game than Connor McDavid worth the price of admission, and he's going to continue to grow and mature and find different ways uh, to be a productive goal scorer as well as point producer. Uh, Jonesy, back on February 15, 1972, Yarmir Yager was born. He was drafted in the NHL the fifth pick in 1990. He just signed with the Calgary Flames. Are you astonished uh, that this guy is able to play in this league? Because you see this league is younger, faster than it's ever been. And this guy at 45 years old is still finding a way to make his way onto an NHL roster. So It's amazing. You know what's even more remarkable is Aaron Ward went one pick before Yarmer Yager in that 1990 draft. But that's another story. Uh, the fact that he's still going is incredible. There's, there's no doubt that he can still be a productive player. The legs are still there. And obviously, he's one of the most intelligent players to ever play the game. I think Calgary made a good choice in signing him. I think they've got a very talented group, a lot of young stars that were, are going to be really looking up to Yager. And based upon what he did and what he brought to the Philadelphia Flyers in his first return from the KHL, uh, players like Giroux and Voracek had outstanding years when he was around. He proved, at least to me, that he's that type of player that can not only contribute, but can also make other players better. And Calgary's looking for a boost. Uh, they're looking for a belief. And Yager can give that to him. So a nice pickup for the Calgary Flames, and I'm glad we get to watch him at least for one more year. Jonesy, as far as you're concerned, what's been the story for the first you know couple weeks of the season? What's been the biggest storyline that stuck out to you? slashing and it's it's one of the best stories in the game today the number of calls that are being made and the adjustments that are being made by the players number one there's going to be more power plays if they keep on hacking around the hands Uh, if they don't two things are going to happen at even strength there's going to be a lot more scoring chances because it's very difficult to, to defend without you know, hacking and whacking or hooking and holding, taking the hacking out is, is certainly going to increase scoring. And the amount of players, highly skilled players, that will travel into those high traffic areas where you no longer are going to take a beating will help. Uh, but power plays, it's going to be, number one, the number of power plays, but most importantly to me, when you're defending while shorthanded, you can't slash anymore. And that's been a major tool for penalty killers uh, for ever since I played the game and watched the game. So that is being eliminated or you're going to be down five on three. So the slashing to me is the biggest story, and I hope they continue to call it. Uh, Jonesy, when you look at the – I'm looking at the Eastern Conference right now, and there's two teams in particular that I look at, and, and I say they're in an uh-oh crisis, albeit only a week into the season. But I look at the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm wondering where they're going to get scoring from, where they're going to get it from up the middle. And I look at the New York Rangers right now, who their defense just looks abysmal. Uh, is there something to worry about in both of these cities? Because a lot of people have these two, two teams earmarked for playoff spots you know, in their preseason kind of uh, positionings. I would say yes. More more of a concern to me is in Montreal, uh, just because they lack depth at so many positions. 
I think the Rangers having Shattenkirk uh, should be able to come out of this and should eventually get an, have an effective power play. Uh, but I do worry about their lack of depth at the center ice position. Uh, so that would be the number one reason I would be concerned if I was a Rangers fan. But for Montreal, there's problems everywhere except in goal. Uh, but I can't imagine Carey Price is going to be able to you know, win games on his own. They're going to need to score. And they're using a, a center iceman in Jonathan Drouin. That's not really a center iceman at the National Hockey League level. And Galchenia continues to work his way down the lineup and probably out of Montreal before all is said and done. So two uh, great teams to be concerned about. I'm more concerned about Montreal, though. Jonesy, you keep a pretty busy schedule. You're covering the league. You're covering the Flyers. You're on the radio. Do you ever wake up in a city and just wonder where are you? It usually happens in the afternoon. If I if I take a nap after just doing some running around, I'll wake <laughs> up and I'm trying to figure out what side to get out of the bed on and where the bathroom is and where the lights are. It does happen. It does happen. But it's normally after, let's say, a nap that lasts more than a couple of hours. And sometimes I I just have to take it. So that's that has happened to me often. Uh, occasionally waking up in the morning at 4 a.m., We'll get you, but for the most part, it's the afternoon naps. Let's ask you about the team that you cover probably the closest in the the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, You know, there was a situation last week where Dave Haxtall decided to challenge the offsides in the Nashville Predator game while up a goal and already on a five-on-three disadvantage. Losing the uh, challenge uh, put them in a tough spot because they're back on the five-on-three, and now Nashville with a chance to take the lead, and they do. Uh, What was your thought on that that, that sequence of plays and how that game played out? It was pretty wild. Yeah, watching it live, first I thought both penalty calls were penalties. Um, so I did not think that the referees made mistakes. The trip was accidental, but it's still a penalty in the game today on McDonald. Yeah. And Dale Weiss reaching his arm out, even though he was being impeded at that time of the game with the lead in the offensive zone. When you bring a man down, they're going to call it. Um, but for the offside, watching it live on the entry into the zone, my eyes were on Forsberg. I was on the opposite side of the ice from the player's bench. And Forsberg, in his eyes, Forsberg was the first player entering the zone with the puck carrier, who was Ryan Johansson. Forsberg acted like and maneuvered like he felt like he entered the zone before he should have, meaning he thought it was offside. And I, I believe that is what threw off the Flyers' video coach and Dave Haxtell. Yeah. Now, what's, diff- what's different in the game today compared to last year, besides the fact that you get a penalty if you get it wrong, is there's no longer the conversation between the referee and the coach at the bench where the coach can kind of work and buy time and get a 10 or 15 more seconds by small talk and the ref and saying, well, what do you think? I think I'm going to do this. How's your day going? They're no longer doing that. It's 30 seconds after that goal is scored without any conversations with the referee. You have to signal to them, let them know that you're going to uh, review it. So I think it was uh, a great lesson for Dave Haxtell. Mike Babcock learned one last night. and uh, Or no, sorry, Joel Quenville learned one last night as he did the same thing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many more we have, but uh, you can bet that Dave Haxtell will be a little more careful before yeah. he does the next one because ultimately it cost him a, cost him a point.
Yeah, and that could be the ultimate deterrent. Uh, last question for you. Uh, the Sam Moran situation in Philadelphia has not yet gotten into a regular season game this season. Uh, he's back down with the Phantoms right now. Um, how does this kind of play out? This is a tough situation for them. It's a numbers game, and, and suiting up three rookie D-men is obviously not optimal when you're trying to win hockey games. Uh, but Travis Sanheim's been good for the Flyers. So how do they kind of quell the situation? And Moran's going to be good for them, too. I mean, he's an NHL player that's just going to have to stay patient. Uh, it can't be easy for him, but I, I like what he brings. It's a different element than what Sanheim has. Uh, there'll be a time when they're all manning the Flyers' blue line at the same time, uh, but there's a little bit of congestion, and I think they continue to want to keep a couple of the veterans around. So Moran will be there. It's just going to take a little time. I look forward to watching him play. I think he's got a lot to offer. Jonesy, we appreciate it, man. Get back to your busy schedule, try to figure out where you are. We'll hear you on the RC on the Flyers telecast uh, coming up over the next week, a five-game homestand. Certainly check you out on the NHL on NBC. Thanks, buddy. Take care, guys. All right, there he is, Keith Jones from the NHL on NBC and Flyers color analyst joining us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, great stuff out of Jonesy, and we appreciate him joining us as well. But uh, a couple of things before we get out of here on this episode. We're going to uh, uh, check that email. If you want to hit us on stick2hockeybiz at gmail.com, you can hit us up there. Also hit that message board on Wildfire Radio slash sports. Find the Stick to Hockey page on there. You can put questions and some commentary and some conversation on the message boards. Also, follow the show on Twitter at Stick to Hockey Pod at Joe Torty, at Jason Mert, and uh, of course, found that way as well. Thanks to everybody for listening to Stick to Hockey Podcast. We appreciate it. We'll get some more for you out this week for sure. It's been a good time, and it's a good start to the NHL season. Everybody, enjoy your hockey. We'll talk to you soon.